Namaskar and welcome to NFL Masala. I'm your co-host Anand. And I'm your other co-host Rakshak. Welcome to the 18th episode of NFL Masala where we talk about all the latest happenings in the NFL with a little bit of spice. So today we are going to break down the uh, week two of the regular season of the NFL after a little bit of news. So speaking of news, the first news item that we have, and it's humongous in terms of the NFC landscape. <clears throat> Trey Lance has a season-ending surgery on a broken ankle when he was playing against the Seattle Seahawks just this past week. Um, Lance apparently broke his right ankle with two minutes and 20 seconds to go in the first quarter. Uh, of their win against the Seahawks. And then Jimmy Jesus came out to finish the game for the backup, and he's now the starting quarterback. So basically, you know, it's <laughs> it's an interesting situation where, you know, Jimmy G was pretty much out the door, it seemed like, over the entire offseason because everybody was preparing for Trey Lance to come out. You know, it's it's very unfortunate that Trey Lance has to give up his spot because of a terrible, terrible injury where he was carted off. Um, and, you know, I, I really feel bad for the kid because he has to, you know, he never got a proper chance to prove himself, you know? Mm -hmm. And so hopefully he we can see him next year. Um, we'll see if they keep Jimmy G past this year, you know. It would be coming up on Trey Lance's third year because this is technically his second year. Last year was his rookie year where he sit, uh, sat out. Um, you know, while Jimmy G played. Uh, so let's see. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it from, from this news end. What about the next one? Yeah, um, definitely unfortunate. Um, hope you're uh, wishing for a, for a speedy recovery, Trey Lance. Unfortunately, this is like another injury news that um, I honestly didn't want to share. This happened during a Monday night game between the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills. Um, there was one play in which um, Bills cornerback Dane Jackson, um, he he and safety Micah Hyde collided on a third down play, and um, and apparently it appeared that like his neck it appeared that his neck was like overarched. Um, the hit was brutal. Um, I honestly didn't want to don't want to describe it because. Just watching it live and seeing the slow mo, um, it it really shook me up. And um, and and, and apparently, um, it was so bad. Like he had to be taken, a, he had to be carted into an ambulance. Um, during um during the game, um, he did receive a CT scan and an X ray the following. Um, and he's under and he underwent like um further evaluation on Tuesday. So, uh, but I do would like to share some great news that. There's been no major injury to the neck or spinal cord. Um, thank God that he's so far good. And he was able to walk out. He was released from the hospital. And he actually walked out. And um, he sent a tweet. And he said, um, all glory to God. Um, pray your hands. Appreciate the love and support and prayers from everyone. Bill's Mafia, the best in the world. Thank God that, Jay, that Dane Jackson did not suffer any major injuries. Um, yeah, that that would have been I saw it live too and I was like, "Oh my god, dude, his 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 head and neck bent in a way that is unnatural unless you're doing like yoga or something." Yeah. But even then, it was the ferocity and the velocity with which his um 
his head was bent back, and that was just terrible to watch. But yeah, hopefully you get better soon. Yeah, and nice. we would love to have you on the field again. And honestly, I want to keep keep it as a personal note to you, Dean Jackson. Um, and and I'm also talking to you, Bills fans, and and the Bills front office. I mean, just for the man's health, just put him up, put him on injury IR at the moment. I don't want him to risk it. I don't. I I um. I mean, I'm all in for player health and safety. If you're suffering, if you underwent through like a major injury and a serious hit like that, I, I don't want to risk it. I mean, I know you love the game of football and you want to get back to the field, but health, health, is, health and safety is first. Don't do it. Don't overdo it, please. Just take it easy. And if you need to sit out for the rest of the season, please do so. Definitely, definitely. All righty, so that wraps up that the Makadar news segment. Um, now on to the recap of our games. I'll go first. The Packers versus the Bears. Oh, my God. There was such a relief off my chest, man. Like, thank God we won <laughs> that game. If we had lost to the Bears at Lambeau Field, I don't know what I would have done. I, I don't think cried. we would have been podcasting today. <laughs> no, that's no, how no, bad no. It I wouldn't have. I would. I, I just would have been s- skipping this week. Probably, you know, next week also, week three, and then just going to week four where we face. <laughs> I think the Jets. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, yeah. That was a uh, we're back, baby moment. Um, but seriously, the defense showed mostly in the second half why they were so hyped up this past year. Uh, this past offseason, at least in terms of pass defense. You know, we locked down Darnell Mooney. He was a non-factor. Um, you know, the other wide receivers, Equinemi St. Brown, he was probably the only target that Justin Fields threw to, but Justin Fields only threw 11 times with seven completions and one of those incompletions being a uh, interception to Jair, which I'll get to later. Uh, and... Um, yeah, speaking of that Jair interception, jaw money with that snag, bro. It was a beauty of an interception. He was playing at the left half of the field. Justin Fields was bootlegging or like at least swinging out of the pocket to the right side, and he threw it, and jaw money just sprinted from the left side, cut the wide receiver dove, got the interception, got the uh, body parts down in bounds before he went out of bounds. And that was the game ending interception. And that was just beautiful to watch. Like John money is the best cornerback in the league. All right. It ain't J uh, it ain't Jalen Ramsey. It's not Marshawn Lattimore. It's not Marlon Humphrey. It's John money. Put some respect on his name. I'm definitely gonna put some respect on that, and I mean, like the way you described it, I actually like had to like picture that moment. I think I honestly think you, I I can honestly see you becoming one of those Packers like breakdown announcers. I think someone's uh, coming up for that replacement. That's a little job. too much. <laughs> that's a little too much right here. Hey, hey, I okay, I, I imagine it straight up. I'm like, oh my god, that that was like picture perfect. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah. So we had that interception. So. Besides, in terms of pass defense, our defense really showed up. This is what we were supposed to look like. You know, uh, cornerbacks playing well, locking down the wide receivers. Granted, this wide receiver roster is not the greatest. You know, there's no Justin Jefferson in this one, so at least there's that. But 
yeah, that, that was a really good defensive output in terms of pass defense. Our run game was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Aaron Jones, 15 carries, 132 yards, one touchdown. A.J. Dillon, 18 carries, 61 yards. We had a total of like a hundred, almost 200 yards Ooh. of rushing against the Bears. I needed Dylan to get to get a touchdown from my fantasy. I know, I know, I know. Me too. I had him on my fantasy. But <laughs> the thing that I made is um, I got both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in a best ball league. So Ooh. for those of you who don't know, best ball basically means you have a, a roster of, let's say, like 15 people and 10 of them are starters. And instead of what you do in regular fantasy is before the week starts, you have to manually go and select which of your st uh, starting 10 players are going to be there. The other, p uh, the other players that are going to be on your quote unquote bench are not going to have their points scored. So what happens frequently is in a regular league, if you put a player in the uh, in your starting lineup who has, let's say, like five points scored, but then you have somebody in the bench who scores like 25 points, that 25 point is not counted towards your score. Just that five points because that person was in the starting lineup. Now, that concept is pretty similar in best ball too because best ball takes your 10 start uh your 10 starters right but it takes the 10 highest scorers for those like specific positions in whatever the league has decided um and takes the 10 highest or x amount highest scorers out of your entire lineup so you don't have to actually set your lineup every single week that is the beauty of best ball. You draft the players who, who you think are going to be the best. You keep them for the entire season. And each week, depending on, uh, you know, bye weeks and like how each of those individual players score, the best ball algorithm takes like the 10 best or like X amount best uh, uh, highest scoring players. And they, um, and you know, and, and that goes towards your starting 10 quote unquote lineup. And so that's what I did in one of my best ball leagues is I got Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon because like we just showed this past week, you don't know which running back is going to be the featured back. Is it going to be AJ Jones? Uh, is it going to be Aaron Jones? Is it going to be AJ Dillon? You know, is it going to be both? So that's what, that's what I did. Anyways, brief uh, fantasy football moment over on to the Packers game again. So Aaron Jones really proved that he was RB1. He was RB1. Let's let's not deny this. AJ Dillon is awesome. The quad father is awesome. But all Aaron Jones, quadfather. all hail the quad father. But we need Showtime 33 on our team as much as possible. Otherwise, our offense is pretty much in the rut. And so that was really good. Um, and feeding off of that run game, our Packers offense found success. You know, it was off the run with a lot of read options. There was even one read option where Aaron Rodgers read the crashing edge linebacker and he took it and he ran for the first down. <laughs> he he's got some he's got he's pretty spry for a 38-year-old man, so 
that's that, that was exciting to see Aaron Jones, uh, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers pull off a, a read option play because that's what they ran a lot um, in in this past game. Where so read option to people who don't know what it is is a specific type of play. It is a run. It's a running play between the quarterback, right, and the running back, the featured running back, and so either depending on how the defense looks like. Uh, depending on one or two specific players, let's say the, uh, the one of the edge rushers or one of the uh, linebackers, depending on which person they follow, the quarterback has to decide once the ball is snapped whether to keep the ball and run to the outside or give the ball to the running back and let the running back run to the inside, typically in the opposite direction um, to prevent fumbles and such. And so that's that's typically what a basic read option is. And so we ran a lot of those. We ran a lot of play action because of the run. A lot of screens. A lot of screens. I think like there was just some weird stat where like he threw I think Aaron Rodgers threw like four or five times af- uh, past the yard, uh, line of scrimmage. The rest of the times he threw it b- uh, behind because there were uh, you know, screens. There were screens and there were, you know, f- uh, throws to the flat, all that stuff. So it's really a, you know, getting back into the rhythm type of a game. And so that was that was pretty good from our offense. Um, as long as we have a run game going, it's pretty good. Now, this is going to come up into the preview, but our next game is, is against the Bucks, and that's not looking so good right now. So that's that's going to be tomorrow's episode. Um, yep, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, he had a pretty decent game. He spread the ball around between running backs and wide receivers and tight ends. Um, it, 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 was, pretty, it was pretty spread out, but he does need to involve the young ones a bit more there were only seven targets between romeo dubs christian watson and tyler davis tyler davis had just like a throwaway target so i don't really count that one really so it was really between dubs and watson and that was just like six targets between them so it's it's gonna be tough it's gonna be you know trial by fire throughout the entire season and hopefully he can between build that chemistry a bit more, but that's got to be uh, something that he improves on. Another thing that needs to be improved on, and that was pretty much the biggest weakness of this entire game, was the O line. Our O line was pretty good in the de- uh, in, in the run game. Uh, they opened some pretty major holes for Aaron Jones to run through. And that was pretty good. Uh, damn, do they need some help in pass pro? Because Robert Tunyon was basically there in pass protection ninety, like ninety percent of the game. Ninety percent of the pass uh, uh, snaps that he played in, um, he was basically blocking. We can't have that, especially against the Bucks. We need every weapon that we have available to score on the Bucks' uh, uh, defense and. Elton Jenkins played and, you know, he's coming back from an ACL injury. You know, it's been 10 months since he's played before. It's it's tough. And Aaron Rodgers mentioned that, you know, 
we measure success differently. And for El, uh, for Elton Jenkins, just coming back into the NFL and playing football again is a success in and of itself. And, you know, I, I really like that statement and that sentiment. But we do need more help in the pass pro because Elton Jenkins still needs some time to get back on his feet. David Bakhtiari, we still don't know what, what his situation is. You know, it's communication issues too because, you know, Myers fumbled the snap to Rodgers. Um, speaking of fumbles, there was Christian Watson that, like, I think so. Aaron Rodgers pointed that it was Josh Myers who, um, I think, uh, hiked the ball a bit later than what was intended, and that's why the ball fumbled like it, it hit Christian Watson and should have came about like half a second earlier but um yeah that's it was not good not good in pass protection um something needs to be done either we reassign some people or I don't know but it's it just didn't look good it was against the Bears D line too, which is not great. It's not bad, but it's not great also. It's not the Bucks D line that we're gonna face. Bucks front seven that we're gonna face next week. Um, so yeah, that has to be fixed before we move on. Um other than that, it was a pretty solid win. I liked it. It was offense came back to its feet. They relied on the run game, which is our specialty, you know, feed the run game build the pass game off of the run game. Our defense is not top five, that's for sure. They they haven't, you know, they, ha they have got to work on that run defense also because they allowed the Bears to, like, have 150 uh, rushing against us, almost like six yards per carry or something like that. It was ridiculous. Um, every time David Montgomery ran, it was just like immediately seven, eight, first down. It was just not, it was not fun to watch. Um, and it was really Kenny Clark that came in and, and put the stop to that. So other people have to show up. Jerron Reed, the reason why we brought him is because he's a run stopper. You know, he has to, he has to pull his weight. Devontae White, we also need him to, we need him to show up. Dean Larry, we need him to show up. Maybe even put in TJ Slayton on those rushing downs, like first and second downs against a rushing team. Have TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, and Kenny Clark. You know, three people who, or TJ Slayton, Jerron Reed, and Kenny Clark. Three people who eat up the blocks on the inside and pay, uh, play a lot, you know, of penny fronts. So like five uh, people rushing. So three defensive linemen and two edge rushers with one uh, Mike linebacker, middle linebacker. And so <clears throat> that, that run defense has to be really adjusted for moving forward. But I did see, uh, you know, in terms of linebackers, Quay Walker is fantastic. Dude, he was flying around the football. There was a reason why people were, uh, at least the Packers front office was hyped up to get him because he was flying. He was tackling. He has that speed that we have missed out in the linebacker position for so long that we got with Devonjo Campbell, and now we have with Quay Walker. And Quay Walker is just—he's getting that rookie treatment where you know he's sometimes missing. Uh, sometimes he's missing uh, coverage assignments, but in terms of run defense and in terms of tackling, he's really good. So I'm glad we have him. 
he's sort of becoming like a Devin White for us. You know, we're hoping that our Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker can become that Levante David Devin White uh, sort of uh, pairing. So yeah, that's that was a that was a highlight of that game is just Quay Walker's speed at tackling. Um, so that was pretty good. Other than that, it was a pretty solid game. Excuse me, Aaron Rodgers needs to rely on the young wide receiver, like involve the wide, uh, young wide receivers a bit more. But let's rely, let's continue to feed Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, rotate them out, and then offensive line needs to needs to be better in pass protection. And then the defense, pass defense was pretty good. It was up to par of what we expected. Uh, a rushing defense was, has to be adjusted. Um, the interior D linemen that we got in terms of the draft and in the free agency have to show up. And so, yeah, that is pretty much it uh, from the recap. What about your Eagles? Oh, my God. Like, if you had... If you had um, FaceTimed me during the game, you would have seen my emotions like going like up and down, up and down, because I thought this was one of the most important games for Jalen Hurts' career to excel. And I have, and, and here's the thing final, the final score Eagles 24, Vikings 7. And I, I mean, it, it's wow, what a game. And I have to say this right now, in in for all of my NFL, all of the NFL Masala audience, Jalen Hurts played like a grown man. Wow, that was one amazing performance ever. Like, I got we got to see Hurts, Jalen Hurts take the next step as Hurts, the passer that we've been wanting to see for a very long time. He was um in the first half alone, he was nearly perfect. Like I want to say he had like 11 or 12 straight completions and almost put up 300, almost put up 300 yards. And then he, I mean, of course, he finished 26 for 31 passing, 333 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and man, 55 rushing yards and two touchdowns. And apparently, like he um he also records like another part of, of Eagles history. And the other Eagles QB to have 300 plus passing yards and two rush touchdowns in a single game, not just Jalen Hurts, but he also joins Michael Vick in this. And the beauty that I liked about Hurts, Hurts as the passer, he was able to sit in the pocket and he was able to distribute the ball to all the receivers other than AJ Brown. And I mean, to not just the receivers, you're seeing 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 more targets to Devontae Smith. You're seeing more targets. You're seeing some targets to Quez Watkins. You're seeing targets to Dallas Goddard. You're seeing, of course, targets to to AJ Brown and maybe a few to Zach Pascal and the other two, the other running backs, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Kenny Gainwell. But oh my God, what a huge development! I thought this was um, Jalen Hurts' best game um, in his entire career. And one more thing: the interception wasn't his fault. Gainwell, you gotta catch that especially if it's a screen and you're, there's like a linebacker right in front of you, like in the ways of Jordan Hicks. And man, if you want to talk about distribution, wide receivers, they took the wide receivers and the Titans, they took advantage of that soft cover zone. Like, Anand, if you were watching this game, like 
what were the Vikings defense doing? I was so frustrated. Why couldn't we have this Swiss cheese defense from the Vikings against us? Why did we have to flounder so badly? Anyways, continue. And continue on with Jalen Hurts. Like the way that he's developing into that deep passer and like, and one play that I want to talk about, um, Anand, you may have seen this. I think it was the second quarter. It was the second quarter. Um, and Eagles were at the 43-yard line uh, in, their, in their own area. Hertz, it was a second and eight play. Hertz steps back. And, um, of course, there, were, there was like some, a little bit of pressure. He's sitting at the pocket, going through his progressions. He throws a 53-yard bomb to Quez Watkins. Holy moly. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. And again, soft coverage. And and like oh and like, but even better, like again, the distribution of passes. I, I, I gotta share my love to Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy, Heisman Trophy winner, aka the aka skinny Batman. This is what Darius Slay said in a con in a in a in a in a pregame conference. He compared AJ Brown, Darius Slay, and Quez Watkins as bat as all Batmans. Quez Watkins as the fast Batman, um, AJ Brown as the swole Batman, and Devontae Smith as skinny bat- Batman. He said it in a press conference. I ain't going to argue with that. That's hilarious. I ain't going to argue with that, but oh my God, it was so fun to watch. And not even better, the running backs, the running game was on point. Um, if you recall, um, in the pre, in the for my Vikings Eagles preview, the bet the thing the one thing that will help out this Eagles offense and the that the Vikings were weak against was the running game 163 rushing yards. And what what does this prove? If you continue with the run game, it helps set up the pass, it helps set up pass, and it helps Jalen Hurts a lot. Sanders and Hurts with the majority of the carries, Sanders 17 attempts, 80 yards. Hurts, 11 attempts, 50, 57 yards, and two touchdowns. And I want to give a shout-out to Jalen Hurts. When he scored that first touchdown, he did. He pulled out that gritty. Oh, that was so beautiful. Did you, didn't you like that? He pulled out the gritty on, uh, at the very first touchdown. I saw that. I saw that. But, um, but a little bit of a concern, second half. Um, but in the second half, there were no points because, of course, um, the Vikings did make some adjustments, but they were still playing that soft zone, and they were move. And I think like Troy Aikman and Joe Buck were explaining that why why they're pushing those receivers back. I'm like, what are the Vikings doing? Like, if I was the defensive coordinator on the other side, you would have adjusted, play a little bit more press, add in a little bit more blitz, and pressure hurts. But of course, he's going to be elusive. But at least give it a try. You let him sit in the pocket and beat you as a passer. That's got to be damn embarrassing. And but other than that, um, Eagles not um, not um, not not able to produce any points and keeping the foot off the be- of the pedal. Um, again, untimely errors. We were um, Eagles weren't able to score in the second half. And oh my God, too many penalties! Like, how many ineligible receivers downfields are we gonna get? It's it's um, it negated a lot of those plays. But the Eagles got to clean that up. Um, and I think that's something that coach Nick Sirianni has to do, but hell, but he and Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator did a hell of a job. And let me get onto defense. Anand, I have one report to tell you. Justin Jefferson is human. He is not a God. And you know what? Why? Because he, because Justin Jefferson met the God slayer and my defensive MVP, big 
play Darius Slay. And I have to admit, Jonathan Gannon, I have to give credit to Jonathan Gannon. I was looking for things to nitpick on him. For example, why in the blue hell would you put Hassan Reddick as a pass uh, playing coverage? Move him to where his strength is with uh, as an edge rusher and make him pressure the corner. Make him pressure. And uh, But other than that, man, I want to talk about Darius Slay. When he was on Justin Jefferson, this is what um, Next Gen Stats said. Um, with, um, and he apparently, and Darius Slay had more interceptions, two interceptions than receptions allowed as the nearest defender on five targets to Justin Jefferson. The Vikings lost negative 11.9 EPA on the five targets, the most on any wide receiver cornerback matchup in a game over the last six seasons. So five targets, Justin Jefferson, that I thought like that was a big matchup. And I said, put Darius Slay on him. What do you get? One reception for seven yards, two interceptions. And, and if I want to illustrate this even more further, Anand, I think you'll enjoy this. There was a meme in which, um, like, you know how there's a scene called Impractical Jokers where they have this guy say, hey, do something stupid. And then when they do something stupid, they all laugh back. There's a meme that they say, throw it to Slay. And then Kirk Cousin throws an interception to Darius Slay and they all start laughing. And um, another favorite meme of mine was that when they said, um, Kirk Cousins, there's a caption saying, um, screw it, Slay's out there somewhere and he throws the ball. But, <laughs> that that was mean, beautiful. <laughs> that but, was... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's literally what happened. And again, like, I, but I also I got to give my love and shout out to Avante Maddox and James Bradbury. Maddox with that reaching interception, like, oh my God, against, against a pass that, to um that Kirk Cousins was trying to throw to like KJ to like um KJ Osborne or Adam Thielen, but oh my god, James Bradbury, great playing zone and TJ Edwards. That's I mean TJ Edwards because you're white and Sean Bradley playing that mix of nickel and dime nickel and dime coverage. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see some Nicobe Dean, but hey, if those linebackers are playing strong, then yeah, that's unfortunate. But you put the best people out there, and I love seeing Jordan Davis being on the field. And one thing I have to give credit to was Jonathan Gannon mixing the coverage and timing of the blitzes. They basically took the run game and they told Dalvin Cook, no, we're going to make you beat you by the pass and we're going to have our cornerbacks like intercept Kirk Cousins like the coward he is. And you, and if you want to talk about stats, they limited the Vikings rushing game to 62 yards of rushing. And Dalvin Cook... Uh, who the big bad wolf Dalvin Cook? Oh, oh, oh. Guess what? He got limited six carries for 17 yards. You said it. If you shut down the run game, you make them one dimensional, you make them beat to it. And of course, Kirk Cousins had some garbage time, but he had some garbage yards at the end and, and whatever. And, and then, but one thing is like the Eagles defense, um, there's one stat. The Eagles' defense—they generated 23 pressures on Kirk Cousins with 53 with 50 dropbacks. Cousins was five for 13 for 37 yards, one touchdowns, and two interceptions when under pressure. We mentioned we mentioned last week pressure, pressure, pressure. And what did it do? The Vikings' offense looks completely deflated. And Kev and 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 what's even more shocking. The Vikings wide receivers are missing some really good passes from Kirk Cousins. I mean, 
that was really weird to watch. I don't know what was happening. And of course, welcome to Philly, Jalen Rager. What a complete <laughs> letdown. You thought it was going to be his um, revenge game? Well, you want to shout out revenge? It didn't do jack. And, and one more thing I got to say. Um, and uh, the thing is, um, for next week, uh, for, for the next game, Jonathan Gannon has to continue on with that pressure and what he did against the Vikings. I want to see. I want to see that consistency. And one highlight I want to talk about was special teams. Um, of course, Jake Elliott had a blocked a field goal, which was almost returned for, for a touchdown. Had it not been for the 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 holder and slash punter Aaron Sipos, if you saw the highlight, the punter like literally chased down Patrick Peterson and prevented him from scoring the touchdown. That would have been a game changer. But man. They helped. They made Kirk Cousins throw it to his favorite target, Darius Slay. And yes, I'm saying this to you, Vikings fans. You may have a god in Justin Jefferson, but Darius Slay is the god slayer on this one. Anyway, I'm very happy with the way the Eagles played, and I hope this brings solace to the Packers because at least, um, no, in a in a good way. Because hey, the Vikings lose, the Packers won. That should be like what? That that should be like the best of both worlds, right? And I mean like. The way Hertz played, out of the world, just to work on. I would like to see that carried over in the next couple of games. Take the next steps in your progressions, and 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 for uh, for everyone saying, "Oh, he's going to be an MVP." Hold your horses, and let's hold off any Super Bowl talks for the Eagles. Let's take it one game at a time and work on correcting some of those issues. That's all I got to say. I love it. Let's go, Birds! wonderful wonderful and you were right seeing the vikings lose and us win that's just you know icing on the cake um so yeah thank you for that now on to our games of the week you know i initially flirted between choosing the cardinals and raiders versus the titans and bills i chose the titans and bills Man, I should I should have chose the Cardinals <laughs> versus Raiders. That was a much more entertaining game than this one. Um, granted, the game was close in the beginning in terms of the Titans versus Bills. I mean, it was ten to seven Bills at the middle of the second quarter, but um, it quickly got out of hand when Taylor Lewan got injured, and then obviously following that, uh, Dane Jackson got injured as well. Um, Luckily, he survives the huge hit, but, you know, after the, especially after the Taylor Lewan injury and then when after the second half really got out of hand uh, because at least until then, they maybe had a fighting chance in terms of the Titans to at least pull back and make it a much more manageable game. But, yeah, after that, it just became terrible. And, you know, this is what I had mentioned before in our preview episode. I told you guys, protect. Tannehill. Protect Tannehill. And they kind of were, in all fairness, until they lost Taylor to one midway. And that's when, you know, as I mentioned before, everything went downhill. Um, because they couldn't protect Tannehill, Henry was also completely stuffed by the Bills defense. The crowd also didn't help either because, you know, they were always, they were huge Bills, Bills Mafia, Mafia fans there. Over. They took over the game. They yeah. took over the game. And as I mentioned before, because they couldn't protect Tannehill without time in the pocket and Henry being ineffective, 
Tannehill was terrible, terrible, terrible. He is now more of a game manager than he is a game changer. And so because he doesn't have Derrick Henry, because they couldn't protect him properly, because of a weak wide receiving core where they basically just rely on Traylon Burks and a couple of plays from Robert Woods, but nobody else really, he was terrible. He had two interceptions, 32.7 passer rating. Oh. It was it was bad. It oh. was it was abysmal. You know what and, that really helped? Yeah. If you had AJ Brown, I guess you <laughs> <he> did. <laughs> yeah, that would. <laughs> um and speaking of those interceptions, the turnovers were were just adding even more pressure on the offense to score points. Those turnovers basically gave Bills Bills offense even more chances to succeed. And the Bills were largely they were just scoring points whenever they got the chance. And so just having those turnovers from the Titans offensive side, it they just kept trying for big plays and they failed miserably and those those chances are just lost to them. And they it just it just became much tougher for them to dig out of the hole that they were just digging. You know, um and so that that's just like turnovers just it's as if they were digging a hole and then the turnovers were just oil that just came down the came down the hole and this they're just slipping up everywhere. It was terrible. Um along with my analogy there. <laughs> uh <laughs> the defense <laughs> the defense from the Titans wasn't any better. They let up way too many deep plays. I mean, there was a couple of masala moments there, even, especially that Allen to Diggs connection at the forty-six yard, of uh, forty-six yards, like deep bomb. That it was just not good. They weren't helping out the offense. Um, it was unfair, dude. It was yeah. Unfair. Even the Bills rushing got in the game. James Cook, eleven carries, fifty-eight yards. I mean, that was pretty good. The Bills offense. Bill's rushing game, as I was going to mention later, was also pretty good. And like, so the Titans defense couldn't stop the pass and they couldn't stop the run. So they couldn't get off the field. And that means more time went off the clock um, for the Titans offense. Uh, in, I mean, in fairness, Titans did have like almost half of the uh, time of possession battle. Like they, I think they had 28 minutes and, um, the Bills had like 31 and a half minutes or something like that. But it didn't seem like it because the Titans offense just failed. I mean, they should have they should have received the ball first. They they won the coin toss, but they elected to kick. And when you're going up against a high-powered offense like the Bills, you're just allowing the Bills to become supercharged. And that's what the defense did. The you know letting up as I mentioned before letting up too many pass plays deep pass plays it allowed the Bills offense to supercharge and uh, prevented the Titans offense from having the chance to fight back and it was just there was a chance that they had when it was ten seven they didn't capitalize on it and it just slipped out of their hands and so they should have used Henry in more creative ways he only had thirteen carries that's it thirteen carries. When you have what? Derrick Henry, you better be feeding him like 20, 25 times. Yeah. Especially against the Bills. Because even if, 
even if you don't score that many points, at least you're preventing the Bills from scoring that many points either. Like the Titans, the way they would have beaten the Bills is to win the time of possession battle. Right? If they had won 40 minutes versus 20 minutes, this probably would have been a much closer game, but it wasn't. Those interceptions turned into a pick six, and this is just terrible. I mean, like Malik Willis came in. He wasn't any better. He had like four attempts, had one completion for six yards. He had like a rushing attempt, and he fumbled. Like it was just bad. Yeah. It was bad. And, I, and, um, and I know I clamored for Malik Willis to come into the um, – to replace Tannehill, I hope that beat the dull moment still staying. And you know what? I think it's even more secure now, given the it's way more secure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure that was happening because I don't know who the Titans play next, but oh, they're playing the Raiders next. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, good luck. That's with gonna that. be a fun one. Yeah. I, I mean, no, good luck. Good luck. Unless um something happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was uh it was not fun from the Titan side. It was fun from the Bill side. I mean, what else can we say? The home crowd was going wild. The defense was on fire. Bills Mafia. They're like, I have to admit, like, they're the best fans to like watch and have fun with. I mean, I did I did tell you about like um how I went to Bill's Mafia bar in the first game when I went to, yeah. the first game to watch that. Yeah, man, they are passionate. They've been dying for a Super Bowl to come in after four. Yeah. Failures in the nineties, man. Yeah. They're real they're really ready. They're waiting for one. Definitely. Yeah. And you know, just goes it just shows it just showed that much in, in this past game. Like um the defense was on fire. Home crowd was going Bill's Mafia was going wild. Josh Allen was just dropping bombs to everybody. He had like a 39 yard play to Jay Kumaro, a 46 yard play to Stefan Diggs. He was just dropping dimes. Um, it was just a full-on feast of Titans. But a <laughs> and that's why Thank they. You. Yes, definitely, and that's why they. We should call this the fall of the Titans, just like yeah, the yep, yep, fall of the like, Titans. Yeah. <laughs> that was really um, bad. I said that so bad. <laughs> Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> Josh Allen is probably the number one candidate for MVP so far. I'm just going to say it out there. Maybe it's Patrick Mahomes too. um, But I think Josh Allen, I I would give the nod to Josh Allen a bit more because he beat the defending Super Bowl. He he didn't just beat them. He wiped them. So, yeah, I, I would give... Josh Allen, the nod for MVP so far, so far. Uh, he was spectacular. The run game, as I mentioned before, was also good. They had a total of 24 carries for 104 yards at 4.2 average clip. So that was good. So we kind of knew it was over when Allen threw that 46-yard bomb to Diggs because at that point, that score became 24-7. Like he was 77 at the first at the end of the first half, and that kind of felt reasonable, con- especially considering that the Titans got the first possession out of the out of the end of the first half. But they they messed it up. They punted after five plays for 20 yards total. They punted, then <clears throat> then that digs play happened, and then it became 24-7. Then the Titans punted. 
and then for some reason for some reason the uh, the Titans defense actually pulled a punt actually had a three and out for the Bills and the Bills offense punted um and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more but you know the Bills offense punted for the first time in a long time and then what happened at the end of that punt so Sam Martin punts uh punts at 38 yards from the Buffalo 48 to the Tennessee 14 but unfortunately Kyle Phillips muffs the catch it is recovered by the Buffalo special teams at the Tennessee 20 and guess what happened after that the Bills scored a field goal man that's just embarrassing I, d- yeah. I wonder and you know what I'm calling the NFL to promote a no mer- a mercy rule like if, <laughs> if your team is getting like destroyed it's yeah. okay to wave the white flag and I mean hey Let's, hey, I mean, like, hey, call the game over and let the other players get rested so that no. they don't have to suffer through multiple humiliations. I mean, I want this, blowouts. You I want blowouts? No, yes, just I for fantasy blowout. purposes. Okay. Yes, yes. For <laughs> fantasy purposes, for betting purposes, and for teams who are doing who are participating in that blowout, especially the victor of that blowout. I want blowouts because I remember the blowout of all blowouts for Packers fans back in 2014-2015 season. I think it was 2014-2015. I'm not sure. But um, we blew out the Bears 55-14 to 14 or something like that. Oh, my that God. Was, whenever I feel down, uh, those are just the highlights that I watch because Aaron Rodgers <laughs> tied the record of scoring of passing six touchdowns in the first half. It was 42 nothing <laughs> at the end of the first half. <laughs> oh, Man, my God. Kind of... it, was, it was a fun time. Oh. It was a fun time. Oh, I but, know. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of that fun time, like Eddie Lacy had almost a 50 yard screen pl- uh, screen pass uh, for a touchdown. 50 yards. He just like he was lumbering down the field with like 10 blockers in front of him. Even Jordy Nelson came all the way from like his <laughs> uh, blocking position at the beginning of the play to get uh, to get Eddie Lacy into the end zone. And Eddie Lacy like tumbled his way into the end zone like it was spectacular to watch <laughs> and like chris collinsworth and al michaels it was a sunday night game too so it was oh watched by God. everybody i think we've lost oh. some bear subscribers here. <laughs> <laughs> i mean no it's I'm all sorry. good but then again i could remind them of the double doing game yes 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 <laughs> um yeah anyways let's get back to the issue at hand um yeah so we knew that this game was over because then it was 27 7 then you know they had the interception uh first interception and then you know the bills then scored another touchdown four plays 51 yards why because like after that interception they just marched the football down the field and Josh Allen threw it to guess who? Stefan Diggs. 14 yards, touchdown. That became 34-7. And then the Titans were still throwing. And uh Tannehill his last uh last series of the game. He threw 
a pick six. And then it became 41-7, and then it just cemented the the blowout. After, after that point, Malik Willis came in the game. He didn't do anything. Like He also fumbled, and it was just terrible. It was just terrible to watch from a Titans fan. From a Bills fan, it was spectacular. Um, it was really the defense and the special teams units that gave the offense so many chances to succeed. And the Bills offense under Ken Dorsey have really good, you know, have a solid shot of winning the AFC this year and for Josh Allen being the MVP. A solid shot. I would not count them out. Um, for the AFC championship? <clears throat> AFC championship. You know what? I've got to beat the dull moment right there. Okay. I don't think it's not going to be just the AFC championship, man. If they Super are Bowl winners, I, 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 I get, I, I honestly, they'll, they'll be the AFC contender for the Super Bowl. Honestly, okay. do. I don't know who the NFC is. I don't know which team in the NFC you know, will come out to face to face the Bills, but I can guarantee that the Bills may win, may win the, may win the whole thing together. I could yeah. see it happening. Yeah. No, they, they look that well, and it's really like Von Miller coming there to the Buffalo Bills team is just like supercharged that defense. Um, and so, yeah, the Bills offense cashed the chances, whatever they got, whatever chances they got from the defense and the special teams unit almost every time. And the one time that they didn't, which I mentioned before, that punt, listen to this statistic. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills did not punt this season until their 16th drive of the season. 16th offensive drive, making it the longest streak of offensive positions without a punt to begin a season by any team since at least 1991. Huh. Imagine all the great offenses since 1991. You have those Cowboys and Niners offenses of the 90s. You have those Patriot offenses of the 2000s, early 2000s. Then you have them in the mid-2000s. Then you have the Broncos and the Packers and the Saints offenses. All of those and the Rams offenses, especially in the tur- at the turn of the century. The greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner, yeah. Russell Falk, Isaac Bruce. I remember watching those Rams, that, that Rams type of offense. Man, they were on fire. Even they couldn't make uh, the history that the B- Buffalo Bills had this season. But That's man. how... Even the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and the Chiefs couldn't make this. So it's just to show, like we mentioned earlier, it's like the Bills are the best team in the league right now. They're the number one team in the league to beat, hands down. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it from the Titans versus Bills. What about the Bucks and Saints? Like, if I were to summarize it for you, the game got so boring until the third quarter. It was, I mean, I mean, of course, we all expected the Saints defense to frustrate Tom Brady to the point that we see him on national television yelling at the field saying, are you kidding me? And yelling and throwing at the, yelling and throwing tablets at the sidelines, like, like it was so bad. It's like, what did you expect? Like the offensive line, the the Bucks O line kept on struggling against the Saints defense. Um, we saw that, and of course the backups were getting hurt. 
I think like Josh Wells um, and um, and I don't know who else on their O line, but man, it they were get he was they were getting gashed. the The defense was the Saints defense was like literally harassing Brady, and and, and to the point like if you want to talk about um, like they held the Bucks scoreless until the third quarter, and I mean of course Saints they had a field goal and field goal to lead in the first quarter, but then again, the what is the one thing that I said would be the turning point against the Saints? It's how Jameis Winston would would fare up against that Bucks defense, and apparently the Buccaneers defense did to Jameis Winston. He reopened that bakery. You know what that bakery is famous for? Tasty turnovers. They literally, and I honestly think the way that Tom Brady played this game. Um. It, of course, he looked really shaky. I mean, 18 for 34 yards, 190. 18, 18 for 34, 190 yards, one touchdown. It's, um, on, I mean, honestly, you have to give the win to the Bucks, to the, to the, to the Buccaneers because they were able to generate, they literally kept the, they literally kept, um, this, this game alive for, for Tom Brady, like, honestly. And, and if you look at the span, of how their defense played. They only let up 13 points in two games so far. That touchdown at the very end was a garbage touchdown. But and spoiler alert, the, the final score was 20 to 10, Tampa Bay winning this one. And the Buccaneers defense, they forced five turnovers, two fumbles lost, and three inters and Jameis Winston throwing three interceptions. So and one of them being a pick six. So there's those tasty turnovers that <laughs> that um people make J people make fun of Jameis Winston. Of course, we saw 30 for 30 Jameis in this one. And um Jamal Dean, um, who who is a linebacker, I believe he plays linebacker, defensive back. Um, he had a great game, defensive um one of them. He had he had two interceptions, but there was a lot of multiple personal fouls on the Buccaneers. Um, that's what like held up a lot. Uh, again, like the wide receivers. We saw like how limited his the wide receiver options were for Brady. I mean, if you were to look at the box score, I mean, Mike Evans, Brashad Perryman, Scotty Miller, um, Russell Gage, Bray, um, Cameron Bray, Otten, and Rashad White. Those are not like your typical caliber types. And I'll get later on to Mike Evans, but Brashad Perryman had the lone offensive touchdown for the Saints. The defense held the Bucks offense until the until the late third quarter, and then. This momentum change in during the Saints offense when Mark Ingram had that fumble in Tampa Bay territory. Then the Bucks took advantage of it and um and they were able to and they were able to to um make and they were able to take uh, to take opportunities from that. I mean, again, Jameis Winston looks so bad. I mean, 25 25 for 40, 236 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Like good lord. That was so bad, and six, and he was sacked six times with thirty yards lost. And I mean, again, one of the biggest, one of the, and uh, and um, and again, a majority of the pressure is going to Shaq Barrett in a combination of Devin White, Devin White and Vita Vea. Good lord, that Buccaneers defense led by um Todd Bolt, but led by head coach Todd Bowles, top that was some kind of matchup and. And honestly, Jameis Winston couldn't do – I mean, the Saints O-line couldn't do that much. And unfortunately, without Alvin Kamara, 
the Russian the rushing was limited to about like 100 100 yards of rushing. Mark Ingram only had 58 yards. The rest of them, I mean the rest the rest of the running backs including um Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston were like almost like up to 50. Tampa Bay's rushing was even was equally bad as well. With a bad O-line, Leonard Fournette was like limited to 65 yards of rushing. So that was horrendous. And um I got to give a shout out to Chris Olave. I mean Five yard, five five receptions for eighty yards out of thirteen targets, but um, but apparently he did have that long um fifty one yard gain, but then he but then again he fumbled the ball at the very at the very end, which counted for Tampa Bay's last possession, and um, it didn't go well this way. But however, did you know that there was a fight that happened that I was one of the turning points of the game. Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore. Yep, I saw it. I saw it. And, and boy, am I happy. And here is the crazy part of this. Um, the way it occurred, like, Tom, I mean, of course, this was third down play. Tom Brady was getting very, very antsy about, like, hey, why wasn't there a call about it? Then Marshawn Lattimore, of course, being one of the shutdown corners, he's jawing back at Brady, and, and he's in... And apparently, Leonard Fournette pushes him, and then Lattimore pushes him back there, arguing. All of a sudden, we see Mike Evans running from the sidelines. He, like, trucks Lattimore, <laughs> and they start brawling. I honestly thought, like, during the middle of that game, that was a um, that was, like, one of the most exciting point points in the, in the game. And I, and that was a game changer because not only was Mike Evans ejected, Marshawn Lattimore was ejected. So with your number one corner being out, Saints defense could only do so much. That was a game changer. And of course, Mike Evans, three receptions, sixty-one yards, being the the leading target. He guess what? He was suspended. He's suspended for one game. He tried to appeal. It didn't work. And so for you Packers fans, watching Green Bay against Tampa Bay. He got one less target to worry about because Mike Evans is su still suspended, and and um, yes, you can rejoice. But they, but I did see the Buccaneers bring back Cole Beasley into their practice squad. So let's see how that goes. And I have, I, and I'm going to propose to the NFL for the off season. I want a like how we see the celebrity boxing matches on them. I want to see a boxing match between Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore. Put it up on Madison Square Garden. I don't care about Floyd Mayweather or Canelo. Just put those two guys in a boxing ring. Let them fight it out. <laughs> and like, oh my god, that was fun to watch. <laughs> but anyway, the Bucks break the hex in New Orleans, and that means that the draft pick, that that first round draft pick that the Eagles own from the Saints, it goes up to the top 10. So keep on tanking, Saints. Keep tanking. And yes, I propose that boxing match. What do you think? I'll pay good money to see that one. I want to see Marshawn Lattimore knock Mike Evans' teeth out of his mouth. <laughs> That'll be fun to watch. All righty. So that wraps up the games of the week segment. And now on to probably the best segment that we've ever created. The, the Punch Minute Recaps. Punch, punch, punch. Let's go. Yep. All righty. Starting with me. The Jets versus the Browns. 
<laughs> the Browns <laughs> choked against the Jets. <laughs> the factory of sadness produces another quality product. <laughs> so good. So oh good my God. That was, that was beautiful to watch. Uh, next, Pats versus Steelers. Two inept offenses facing two strong defenses. What could happen? Basically, the better defense won. Um, if TJ Watt had played for the Steelers, it's highly likely that the Steelers would pull out the win and not the Patriots. But I guess we're in the land where the Patriots win now. So uh, days Colts. of our Steelers. Yeah, days of our Steelers. Yep. <laughs> Colts versus. Yep. Colts versus Jaguars. Matt Ryan was supposed <laughs> to save this team. Matt Ryan was supposed to save this team and my fantasy league. But it really shows the systematic holes in the team. They need far better coaching to seem like a playoff contender because they cannot get blown out by the Jags. 24 nothing. And one point I want to add really quickly on this one. And I think this really solves the debate between who was the better coach that led them to, that led the Eagles to the Super Bowl between Frank Reich and Doug Peterson. Yeah, that debate is over. Dougie P's the better one than than Frank Reich. I mean, come on. You got skunked 24 nothing. That's true. That's true. All righty. Next one. Dolphins versus Ravens. Tua for MVP. Okay, maybe not now, but man, what an addition Tyree Kill and Mike McDaniels has made to Tua to his game. It's a fun, fun offense to watch, and it's a sneak peek for next week. Texans versus Broncos. Yeah, you won Broncos, but at what cost? You barely beat the Texans, and Wilson at one point was 6 out of 20. So what has Russ been cooking? Rotten stew? Finally, Cards versus Raiders. Raiders have chargered it up. Low. They had every opportunity to win. But a brilliant play by the cards won them the game. That's the end of my segment. What about yours, Doc Chuck? Oh my God. <laughs> cards and Raiders. I think like Raiders fans are gonna have like nightmares. <laughs> and if you had Russell Wilson on your fantasy, I'm sorry, but you got you just no. Anyway, starting number one, Bengals and Cowboys. This it really, really irritates me. Dallas, the Dallas defense earned that win. Cooper Rush is a good game manager when he puts into advantages and when they run the ball. And, oh, my God, Joe Burrow needs help. Six sacks? Like, you you call that offensive line being improved? You thought it was upgraded? Yeah, apparently not. Bengals, you had one job for us Eagles fans, and you failed. Moving on. Seahawks versus 49ers. Um... Hopefully, I pray that Trey Lance gets a um, a good recovery. But again, I'm gonna recap this um, recap this like at the very beginning. Jimmy Garoppolo to the rescue rescue and leads that beatdown. The Hawks week one honeymoon is over. He looked completely lost. And Gino Smith, he's saying they wrote they wrote me out, but I but I ride back. I don't know what the code is, but yeah, I think they wrote you out in this entire game. And um, I mean Tyler Lockett's still balling. Had almost like a hundred receiving yards. Falcons and Rams. This is my favorite because the Rams almost blew a 28-3 lead. The Falcons almost rode off the memes but because of self-inflicted mistakes. But, oh, they failed at the end with Jalen Ramsey making that impressive interception against Marcus Mariota. Uh, again, the Rams look really, really shaky. And I think my Super Bowl prediction of Rams and, Rams and Bills is falling apart. I'm still keeping Bills, but I need a new NFC team. And Stafford and Cup, 
the Stafford and Cup connection is pretty much point on. Panthers and Giants. Brian Dable leading the Giants to a 2-0 record in more than five years. I'm impressed. They're surprising everyone. They're learning how to win ugly games. Turnovers are costing the game for the Panthers. I mean, Robbie Anderson and Chuba Hubbard. Come on, man, guys. You got to do better. And those Lake Baker Mayfield comeback attempts are not going to work. Baker Mayfield, this is not OU. This is not Cleveland. You're working with Matt Rule and the, Car and the Carolina Panthers. And Matt Rule is a liability. He's definitely a hot seat. And Anand, I have a beat the dough moment right here. With the way that with the way that the Panthers are performing, I would not be surprised if Matt Rule is fired by the by midseason or or near the end. He's gonna get fired. Next, Commanders versus Lions. Yeah, the Lions. I mean, the Lions are making football fun to watch a little, making football more fun to watch. I mean, 27-36, they're like literally surprising everyone. And I honestly think this makes this Eagles victory over them a little bit better, but Still, that was Jonathan Gannon's fault for nearly pulling that off. And Wentz almost had another leads it almost leads another improbable comeback, but it fails. And I have a special award I want to give. Aiden Hutchinson is a grown man. He had three sacks in the first half. Like, good lord. They had um, the Detroit defense had five total sacks. Aiden Hutchinson had three of them in the first half. One of them, he I think he forced a safety on one of them, but good lord. I, I think we have a defensive rookie, defensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie MVP of the year. And I'm and Amon Ron Say Brown and DeAndre Swift gashing this this um question mark Washington defense definitely um will help me out make my preview for the next game easier. Chargers and Chiefs. What can I say? Mahomes magic. Patrick Mahomes always finds a way to beat Justin Herbert. And um and it was a very close game, very good, fun, fun, fun Thursday night game. Mahomes, Magic, and he and Asante Samuels. You had you've been dropping picks, and I think this really comes back to haunt. And Jalen Watkins, a rookie cornerback, playing replacing Trent McDuffie at that goal line, returns for a 99-yard pick six. Good. God, that was amazing. I think that was a that I think honestly think that was a turning point of the game for the Chiefs to secure that win. But anyway, those are my punch minutes for the rest of the teams. All righty. That was a fun, fun week that we had on a fun punch minute segment. And now on to the NFL Masala moment of the week from my side. I'm a cheat and say I have two plays, but they were back to back. So they technically fall under the definition of generating a masala moment because those two plays created a masala moment. So they are Kyler Murray's rushing touchdown on fourth and goal against the Raiders with eight seconds left on the clock. Oh my God. And, and the consecutive two point throw to AJ Green that maybe was a completion or not? Question mark? Question mark? Like, question mark? Exactly. Um, that was, <laughs> I was watching that live and man, was that a ridiculous play by Kyler Murray? I mean, it, it seemed like the play broke down. Nobody was open. And then a wide open hole showed up for Kyler Murray. He ran for like four yards and he just got that touchdown to bring it within two points. And then 
the two-point conversion, which initially was delayed because they had a delay of game. So instead of going for two yards, uh, two-point conversion at the two-yard line, they had a two-point conversion from the seven-yard line because it was a five-yard penalty for the oh, delay of game. Goodness. And even then, Kyler Murray's pass to A.J. Green was probably in the tightest of holes that I've ever seen this past week. Like, it was ridiculously close to being intercepted by two Raiders, but Kyler Murray's arm fit that ball through the hole, and A.J. Green caught it, but it was but... reviewed. It was reviewed, and it looked like A.J. Green bounced the football when he touched the ground, but there wasn't enough evidence to rule against because on the field it was called as a touchdown, and they didn't have enough evidence to overturn it because it was it was cloudy. Like the two Raiders, that one Raiders guy who was shading a uh, AJ Green was covering up where the ball was supposed to be, so you almost had to guess where the ball was based on like some silhouette, and it was just a spectacular moment that uh you know uh allowed the the cardinals to be in the game it went into overtime and obviously in the overtime we saw what happened it was that amazing fumble um that was recovered by uh Byron Murphy and he ran it for the game ending touchdown and it was just an exciting exciting masala moment what about yours Rakshak? man that was uh, now I have to admit that was a choke job by the rate Choke job by the Raiders. Like, they raidered it up. It's not chartering it up now. It's raidering it up. And do we need to call FEMA and um and, and all those like emergency health services to help to not only bring Atlanta the Atlanta Falcons, but the Raiders? Yeah, we do. It looks no, but, like it. But you know what? I also have to um I actually have another masala moment that I I definitely have to talk about. And this happened between Miami and Baltimore. Uh, here, and I want to remind this. This is a special stat that I saw on the box score at the very when I was watching the very end of the game. You want to know what the fourth quarter differential between the Miami and Baltimore score was? Twenty points. Twenty-eight three. <laughs> <laughs> no Miami way. twenty-eight points. Baltimore three. <laughs> and like. Uh, and I have to talk about one moment from here. Five fit, five nineteen left in the fourth quarter from Tua to Tyree Kill for like a sixty yard bomb, which tied that score and it erased that deficit. Like it was again blown off coverage. We see at the very end, we see Kyle Hamilton and uh, and I think and I believe it was like Marcus Peters or Marlon Humphrey. They were looking at each other like what who was who was on assignment? Like who was on target? Like I mean, Tyree Kill is fast, but. He went, he's like zoomed past you and you're playing. He was like 15 field. yards away. He was yeah. 15 yards. I think, I think Kyle Hamilton blew that assignment. And, and, and to think that he was like the number one safety. I know like he's a rookie and all that, but come on. He can't be blowing off coverage like this. Yep. In the fourth quarter, five and, minutes left like that. And they, and that tied the game. And I honestly thought that was the game changer moment. That, that was like the Masala game changer. That's my new phrase. That was the game changer. It flipped the script for the Dolphins to win this game. And they're going to be facing a big test against Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be such an exciting match to watch now. Oh, that yeah. Fun and, offense from the Dolphins against that Bills. And I and I honestly have... And, and you know what? 
Remember my brown paper bag shame award? I have to give it to <laughs> the choking teams. So first of all, a first cue in line will have to go to the Baltimore Ravens defense. You are embarrassed. I think Stephen A. Smith said it on a rant. Like and first, he had two first take segments um yesterday and today. Like you am you're embarrassing the legacy that Ray Lewis and Ed Reed set. Baltimore, here's your brown paper bag. Number two will go to the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> you lose to the Jets and you reopen the factory of sadness. Good job. With that brown elf. <laughs> it felt like it was so bad. And um and the next brown paper bag I want to give to is you know what? I gotta give it to the Rams. You nearly blew a 28-3 lead. You nearly That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's nearly a blew, but you paper had bag moment. to like bail you out. So yeah. I mean, you could also give it to the Raiders because they had way oh, too many yes, opportunities. Definitely to the Raiders. Like three, like uh, Hunter Renfro, who I thought was like one of the best wide, like best backup wide receivers. He doesn't fumble that much. Yeah. And 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 you know what? I also have to ring a shame bell to Kirk cut primetime cousins. Two and eleven on primetime. Shame. 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 Uh that was fascinating. Um, a fantastic masala moment of the week. That that brings our episode to a close for today. So if you guys have any questions or hopes or screams or aspirations, you can let us know by leaving a review at one of the four platforms that we host this podcast on, Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pocket Casts. Or could send us an email at nflmasala at gmail.com, spelled as nflmasala at gmail.com. And now we're going to hit you with our signature outro. Go Pack Go! And fly, eagles fly. Take care and good night.